My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Whenever I am weak, then I am strong. That is Paul's conclusion in the passage we hear from his second letter to the Corinthian church, his paean to vulnerability and humility, trusting God's power to be known and to work most fully in his own weakness. Though this is a central tenet of Christianity, few of us, few of us, seek to follow this little way of powerlessness of allowing our wounds, the thorns in our flesh, to be the sites of God's activity. That's no surprise, I suppose, for frankly, it's neither the way of the world, nor even usually the way of the church. Certainly, the political and economic arenas are obsessed with power and strength, for the only way to win in either of those is by dominating others, by proving oneself the best, or at least the strongest. And the church too often mirrors the world, whether by succumbing to notions like muscular Christianity, first made popular in the 19th century, but still influential today, a, a Christianity that emphasizes patriotic duty, discipline, masculinity, and eschews the more so-called feminine aspects of Christianity like love and compassion and service. This is a Christianity that sort of butches up Jesus, making him a conquering hero rather than a suffering servant, a Christianity that seeks to rub shoulders with political power. And oh, how all of this seeps into our own personal lives. Even in this age when we are encouraged to be real and vulnerable, most of us fear letting our masks slip, showing our flaws, asking for help, admitting that everything is not perfect. For even our vulnerability is curated these days as we select which part of ourselves to share on social media as many of the famous share photos on Instagram with hashtag no filter yet still look gorgeous. All in the interest of gathering praises and likes, another currency of power. None of this is new. Well, Instagram is new but none of the rest is new. St. Paul's boasting about his weakness is in response to a group he caustically dubs super apostles. They are people who have infiltrated the church in Corinth. They're purveying another version of Christianity than the one that Paul brought. They emphasize 
their spiritual prowess and power, their mystical experiences, their superior knowledge, all to bully the Corinthians into their clutches. These super apostles are predators. They're narcissistic spiritual leaders who seek their own glory rather than the good of the people. In defense against them, Paul says that he too will boast. Earlier in this letter, he asks if these false leaders are Hebrews, Israelites, descendants of Abraham. Well, so am I, proclaims Paul. And then he recounts all that he has done, all that he has suffered as a minister of Christ. He's been imprisoned, flogged, stoned, shipwrecked, and more, he says. He has had a mystical vision, which we heard at the beginning of today's passage, only told in the third person, where he was caught up in, into paradise and told mystical secrets. At this point, we might be forgiven for thinking that Paul has decided to fight fire with fire, parry each of the super apostles' power plays with one of his own. But then, suddenly, an about-face. Paul says that boasting is a distraction. It's worthless. For the Corinthians should not judge him or anyone else by their boasting, but by what they claim about themselves, but rather they should judge Paul by, with, by what they know about him. And then Paul points to a flaw, a wound, a thorn in his flesh that keeps him from being too proud. Scholars have speculated for centuries about what that thorn was, a physical disability, sexual temptation, harassment by his enemies. But the what doesn't matter as much as that in his praying to God to relieve him of this weakness, what Paul hears from God is this. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. From this, Paul now understands not to run from vulnerability, his weakness, but rather to boast of it because it is precisely there that God's power rather than Paul's own can work and be known both to him and to the world. In this, Paul learns in his own life, in his very body perhaps, what the incarnation means, that Christ took on flesh our weakness endured humiliation on the cross, entered into death itself, and it was just there, exactly in weakness and humiliation and suffering that God's power fully manifested itself. This is the lesson Jesus is trying to share with his disciples when he asks them to become dependent on others when they go out. Take nothing for the journey, he says, just sandals and a staff. Don't pack food or a change of clothes or a toothbrush in your bag. Don't take any money. Instead, allow yourself to be vulnerable, to rely on others. For how can they know the power of God if they're busy looking at you and your power? How can you know the strength of God if you're busy relying on yourself?
this radical notion is for us, too. We here at 16th and Central. God's power is made perfect, which can also be translated as reaching full maturity. It's made perfect in our weakness. Our weakness, our littleness, our disabilities, our illness, our vulnerability and humility, our very flaws. For Christianity is not about stellar spiritual experiences. It's not about how strong or perfect we are. No, it's about allowing God to work in the very place we least want others to know about or to see. It's allowing our ego, which someone has said really stands for edging God out. It's allowing our ego, our self-reliance, to die so that God might work in our lives. For how can you know God's strength if you never admit you need it? On this 4th of July, as we celebrate our nation's independence, debates rage about the right way to teach and study our history. Some warn that students are being brainwashed by critical race theory and that to teach the truth about our history, that race and racism, slavery and oppression are intertwined with our nation's founding, that our noblest sentiments and ideals are mingled with cruel acts and laws. To teach that, some say, is not patriotic. They want to replace our complicated history with a whitewashed, purely heroic history. But we Christians know something different. For what if we chose humility? What if we chose to acknowledge the thorn in our nation's flesh, seeking not to boast only of our triumphs, but allowing God to work in the wounds? What if, in the church, we gave up on trying to reclaim our former status as cultural influencers by growing megachurches or trying to shape laws to our own beliefs, and instead chose littleness, chose the point not to what we are doing, but what God is doing. To do as Jesus says, make ourselves vulnerable to others, servants, not masters. And what if in our own lives, after this bruising year, when we all came face to face with our own vulnerability, our own weakness, what if we sought not to boast of our successes or to try to impress others? What if we stopped concealing our wounds, desperately trying to remove our thorns, but instead trusted that God's power works exactly at our weakest points? In his book, in the name of Jesus, Catholic priest Henry Nouwen wrote that Christian leaders need to give up all pretense of power, and I would argue that that's true for anyone who wants to follow Jesus. Nouwen wrote, I am convinced 
that the Christian leader of the future is called to be completely irrelevant and to stand in this world with nothing to offer but his or her own vulnerable self. That is the way Jesus came to reveal God's love. The great message that we have to carry as ministers of God's word and followers of Jesus is that God loves us not because of what we do or accomplish, but because God has created and redeemed us in love and has chosen us to proclaim that love as the true source of all human life. We don't have to prove ourselves, nor do we need to boast or brag. We don't have to be perfect. For we follow the one who did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Being born in human likeness, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It is to that one we can trust our weakness, our wounds, our fears, our worries, and all our anxieties. For it is in those very places, if we will let him, that God works best, where God's strength is made perfect. And then we will know God. And then we will show God to the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.